can we honestly and really fight pride in our lives? So inviting correction, advice, and rebuke into your life is something that we are very uncomfortable with today. But the Bible says that a wise man, though he may not like it, will heed a rebuke. And maybe even wiser still is the man who openly asks for that. Hello and welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer, and it's so great to have you listening today. This podcast is to encourage us, you and I both, and any woman listening, that we can be unshaken because of Christ, no matter our circumstances. Today is episode 165. We are finishing up our book chats for the summer on the book Humility by C.J. Mahaney. It is so good. If you haven't listened to the first two episodes, you should go back and listen before you jump into today's episode. And if you haven't read the book, go do that first, okay? Because we're just chit-chatting about our experiences and what we've read and what we've learned, but you definitely want to read this book. All right, let's first, before we get started, I want to introduce to you my book chat guest. She's sort of my co-host on these. It's Erica Simpson. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Thank you, Julie. It's been fun to be here. Okay, so, um, you know, it's good to, um, we're kind of like ending up summer. It's August when this is released, Mm -hmm. and we both have sad faces because we both have enjoyed our summers, I think, and we had a lot of things this summer. Yes. Yes. Um, And they're all good. I was telling somebody on a walk this week um, that, like, I got through, I had to get through all these, like, 12 big things they felt like, you know, Uh I had to get through this, and I have to get through this since back in April. Boom, boom, boom. Now, like, oh, what's coming up next? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, that's okay. You know, so <laughs> you can sit down for a little right, bit. Right, right. So, so what is something that you, in those busy days of summer, that we just, you know, have so much going on? You know, maybe, maybe it's just stuff outside. What is something that is a fast food dinner idea that you make, or something that you you do that's fast and quick in the summer? Um, well, I I really hate cooking in the summer. I love cooking, but for some reason, I'm so uninspired all summer long. I'm like, let's just eat watermelon and cereal. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. So, that yeah. sounds good. Moving on. So we went on a camping trip, and we always take this griddle that we have, and I, I just planned all of our meals on that griddle. Nice. And it was really, um, I don't know, it was great. And so I've been doing that more this summer, like just cooking everything at one time on the griddle. So yeah. And, you know finding pins and and uh, recipes yeah. that work that way. That's really fun. Well, that's been helpful. And I can't wait for sweet corn is coming this week, I think. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes, let's Although get it on. I love it. August, but for me, I, I love your idea of putting everything on the the griddle. Is that what you said? Yeah. A okay. I love that. Yeah. You know, we went on a family vacation this summer and um I I hate when you go camping, we camped. Mm-hmm. When you go camping, I love camping, but I hate cleaning up mm-hmm. the dishes when you're camping. Yes. That is the thing I hate the most. So I have, and some people may not like this, but we did everything in foil packs. Mm. We cooked everything in foil packs on wow. this trip. And it was really fun. Well, my daughter-in-law came and she cooked a few of the meals, which also was really fun yes. because that meant I didn't have to cook them. Oh, that's nice. And that's the first time that's happened. But um, she didn't cook everything, but we kind of did the dishes then together. And so that was nice. But huh. it, the foil pack idea was really fun. And I thought, gosh, I should do this at my house sometimes. Yeah. I have a, a dish that I make with um, fish. Like a, a white fish or like tilapia. Is that mm-hmm. how you say that? Or mm-hmm. tilapia? Uh, tilapia. I tilapia. Say. Okay. 
Um, anyway, and I have that, and then you put in it like some potatoes and zucchini and onions, mm. and you put it into a foil pack with a little bit of seasonings and maybe a, like a pad of butter to mm. give it. And I, I've done that for years in my mm. oven, foil packed, so, so good. They like steam. Yum. Um, and then um, real thinly sliced potatoes because okay. they got to get done. So that's, mm. I thought I should do these kind of meals, but that's the same thing. You and I are yes. thinking the same, girl. <laughs> we do not want too many dishes, yeah. so give us one pan. One pan. Yeah. One deal. That's right. Well, that's good. And you know what? We'll get into the fall and guess what's coming? Stew, chili. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Soup. <laughs> yes. Every, and that's all in Soup one pan season. too, right? And bread, homemade bread. Uh, yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, Erica, we are entering the last episode today of our book chats and we're going to be covering four more chapters, the last four in the book, nine through 12. Um, like I said earlier, if you have not read these books, you definitely should pause and read these chapters, I should say, the chapters. And if you haven't read the book, read the whole thing. Don't mm-hmm. just start on chapter nine, um, because it's really good. Mm-hmm. Did you find it to be really good, Erica? Yeah, I'm glad we read it. This is, the, read it. this is the first time you have read it. Yes. And I know for me, this is like the fourth time that I have read it. And I think it's one of those books that you could reread. That's what I was going to say. I think I can see where that would benefit you, you know, to go back and yeah. it's just, you know, truth is truth. You yep. Need, you need reminders. Yeah. So. Good. Yeah, and I have loved um, also this summer. Something else I have loved this summer is the downtime. Even though I'm busy, you know, I'm doing things around my house. I'm organized organized my basement. You know, like mm-hmm. weeding in the garden. I have loved being able to listen to books online. Mm-hmm. And so this is what I've done this time around: is listen to the book. Where oh, the other times good. I physically read it, which I personally don't think it matters. Mm-hmm. Like you're getting the content. So, all right. So Erica, why don't you get us started today with a Summary of chapter nine. Okay. Well, to begin with today, um, and we touched on it last time we got together, was um, somehow we just kind of morphed into that, the power of words and encouragement. And we talked about just encouraging others. So this chapter goes into that um, further about the power and the purpose of speech and how we are to use the words that God gives us um, and how we are to use our words in ways that are purposeful and powerful, but also humble. Hmm. And he quotes Proverbs eighteen eleven that says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Hmm. And so also he kind of bases this chapter on Ephesians four twenty nine, And it says, let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So he kind of pulls out this, let no... Um, corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only. So he's drawing this contrast. So let none of these words come out, but only these words. Mm. So let no what? No corrupting talk come out of your mouths and kind of spend some time camping on what is corrupting talk. And then, Mm. but only what? But only such as good for three things in this verse, for building up as fits the occasion and that it may give grace to those who hear. So I think he just kind of builds that whole chapter on that verse. And basically, he fleshes out um, specific examples of how we might use our words in this way. Let no, but only. Hmm. I I really liked the practical aspect of that. Yeah, Yeah, and he kind of jumps into um, like the the summaries of the chapters. Actually, the summaries, little, little headings for each section really cover some of the major things in this chapter that Mm -hmm. I think are really helpful to think about. One is... Um, he covers how words either bring decay mm-hmm. and then our words could also build up. Mm-hmm. Like you talked about contrast and that's a good one. And those are just the big ones. And then he talks a little bit about how 
um, how important it is that we are encouraging each other every day mm-hmm. and how, how we can have purposeful words. And also a section that I thought was really, really helpful, how to talk with someone who needs correction, hmm. which I thought was very practical and very good and a little unexpected hmm. in actually, in my opinion, as I read through it, I was like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I love the verse you brought out that he brings out, which is Ephesians 429, because that's been a verse that I have like used so often in my parenting. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting as I read through it. Um, well, Every time I've read through this book, I told you, I think I've read it four times, but... Get something new. Yes, but Mm -hmm. it always hits me. And this time, one thing that hit me was I always use that verse in regard to my children, but that verse is applicable to us, Mm. to me. And I need to be living that in front of my children. Um, And that was kind of convicting this Mm. time around. Not not really what I had planned. You know, I'd rather tell everybody what to do than be told what to do. <laughs> so, which also comes out in this chapter. Yeah. Was there any quotes that stuck out to you most, Erica? Well, um, I like the section on appropriate words or words that fit the occasion. And he says that as we seek to serve others, we need to learn how to listen to people and how to ask questions and to get to know them. And that's not necessarily to say you can't, you know, say something helpful to a stranger. But right. in the context of relationships, it helps for you to understand that person. So appropriate words would be, what do they need now? Is mm. it, and I liked how he kind of sorted through this. Is it counsel, exhortation, warning, comfort, forgiveness, all of the above? So we have to walk carefully here and we have to discern, are they idle, um, faint hearted? Mm. Are they weak? Because it would be unwise for us to admonish the weak, to correct the weak, um, not saying they may not need that, but you don't come full bore right. at someone who's right. in weakness. Um, you may come with a slight or tender, you know, yes. word. And just also unwise to do the work for someone who's being idle or lazy or to just, you know, give a handout when they really need to do it themselves. So hmm. I thought it was all about having wisdom to discern words that fit a particular occasion. Hmm. So I, I like it sounds that. like we should have that on our phone. Uh-huh. But then when we're talking with someone, we're going to be like, hang on a second, you know, pull out our <laughs> phone and go, go through my let me think here. Do I need to give you warning or <laughs> or do you need comfort right now? Like, I don't know that that would really work. Well, but. I feel really, you know, clumsy at this. I guess maybe that's why I liked yeah. it more. Well, I, I will agree. I think I feel that same way too. I think it's kind of a clumsy conversation mm-hmm. when we're dealing with someone. I think one of my favorite sections was the section on what to do when it comes to correction. I thought it was great because it wasn't just go in and tell everybody what they're doing wrong, mm-hmm. which is pride. It was, if you really love someone, you know, then you will go in and you will you will do it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a quote that says, never correct without reminding the individual at some point of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Any conversation, including correction, must also include the gospel because biblical, biblical correction is incomplete apart from the gospel. Wow. And I, I know how often... I have spoken with my kids or with another adult or even with my husband in some way, and I've spoken out without the gospel a part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I love the story he gives about the time he corrected his son and he only had a few minutes to do it. And his wife noticed that he did not include Jesus in the conversation mm-hmm. and it didn't give his son very much hope. Mm-hmm. I guess I feel like hope is a big part of this. Um, you know, I can look over the past life and even the past few weeks and see when I did not speak to someone with hope. It was just really convicting. Mm. 
That is. Erica, what it, what might be your personal application from chapter nine? Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm continuing on with where I was just saying I feel really clumsy, but um, I, I guess that speaks to where I want to grow, um, mm. finding appropriate and fitting words, um, maybe just in conversation, but just asking God to help me use appropriate words when I interact with others and that he would give me wisdom. Um, sometimes I just feel at a loss to discern what's best to say, or I say something totally dumb, even though my heart wants to say something much different. Right. Um, so I would love to grow in this area, and I found his teaching here really helpful. Yeah, yeah. what about you, Julie? Um, yeah, I was uh, the whole chapter was challenging. Can we just say that? Like, yeah. that's done. But I was really challenged by the very last little section, which was called Examine Your Words, Discover Your Heart. Um, it was just really good because it reminded me that how often my corrupt talk in in my life, in my heart, is a revealer of my pride. Um, it shows us what our heart looks like, and in contrast, a humble heart is revealed by the gospel and by edifying and encouraging others. A humble heart does not think about themselves. A humble heart is thinking about others and how to encourage others. Um, how easy it is to forget how the entire chapter fits into this whole book on pride, because pride is really at the heart. Mm-hmm. It's a heart issue. And we can change our outsides. We can do lots of things on the outside, you know, but it's really a heart issue and that's where we have to go. So mm. good. All right. Chapter 10. Um, I'm going to give a little short summary. So chapter 10 is called Inviting and Pursuing Correction. And honestly, if I just stopped at that title, I would probably not want to read mm. this chapter because <laughs> I do not like or want to invite correction into my life or even pursue it. Mm -hmm. which honestly is pride in itself. Mm -hmm. But the point of this chapter is that prideful people do not accept correction. Mm -hmm. So if you are a person, and I've been there, who does not want to accept correction, you don't like it when people tell you things, you don't like it when your husband says something to you, or even when one of your kids brings something up to you, and I am there, Mm -hmm. then you probably have an issue with pride. This chapter has what is affectionately known as the cream cream cheese chapter, right? (laughs) Or the section I will leave that story for later because you're, you're definitely going to want to read the whole story. Mm-hmm. But one thing that's really interesting is that we are often so blind to our problems, our pride. And that's really kind of where this entire chapter is, blindness and this idea of correction. So what about definitions or concepts we should be thinking about? And what about this, you know, this crazy cream cheese section? <laughs> like, is this a, a recipe? <laughs> well, for disaster, maybe. No. Yes, right. Um, so he gives this illustration of this finely dressed man. He's in a uh, designer suit. He's ready to attend this business meeting. He has every detail prepared, and he's fully ready. Um, he's sitting in a cafe, and he gets up to go, presumably to leave for this meeting. Um, and he doesn't know that he has a fresh blob of cream cheese on his mustache. So wow. <laughs> he says, you know, C.J. Mahaney's like, do I stop him and tell him or do I let him go to his meeting? Right. <laughs> I don't know. Read the outcome. But <laughs> right. it just makes me think of even the saying to have egg on your face, mm-hmm. um, which leads me to this quote. Um, he says, do you think you have a clear idea of where pride is at work in your life? Are you certain you have your act together when it mm. comes to humility? Chances are you are like this finely dressed man, perfectly groomed and confident, but with a large blob of cream cheese on his mustache. (laughs) Sin is subtle. Sin is deceitful and it blinds you. And you need feedback from others in order to understand your heart. So basically others clearly see what we cannot. It's like having egg on your face. And isn't it amazing how God can correct human pride with something so mundane and small as egg on your face? Like, 
who are we? Mm. <laughs> that God is mindful for of us. Like we put ourselves um, on a pedestal sometimes mm-hmm. and think Often. that we've got it all together. And then something so small as cream cheese on your mustache can yes. <laughs> show your folly. Yes. Um, so inviting correction, advice, and rebuke into your life is something that we are very uncomfortable with today. But the Bible says that a wise man, though he may not like it, will heed a rebuke. And maybe even wiser still is the man who openly asks for that. Mm. So I don't know. That that was something to wrestle with, and um, that stuck out to me. How about you, Julie? What quote stuck out to you the most? I always feel like I'm, I'm when I'm reading these and we talk about quotes or things that stuck out to us, it always seems to be that um, C.J. Mahaney quotes someone else, and I like that quote. Yes. So this is actually another one. This is by Paul David Tripp, and he says, My self-perception is as accurate as a carnival mirror. Mm. And and that was like, wow, yeah. I went with my kids, some of my kids recently, I don't remember where we were at, probably our science center, and they have those carnival mirrors there. Mm-hmm. And I was loving it because it made me tall and thin. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and my my daughter, who's really tall and thin, was short and chubby in the <laughs> in the, you know, carnival mirror. But what a great thought that, you know, how I view myself mm-hmm. is actually not accurate at all. Mm-hmm. So the truth is, um, I view myself so much better and more organized and more spiritual than I really am and more humble. You know, I view myself so much more humble than I really am. Mm. And this is spiritual blindness, which, by the way, I think we have in all of our lives in different ways. So that's why we need to pursue accepting and inviting correction from others. Mm. And I will say that one of my favorite things, you know, I think we're going to talk more about this a little bit, but one of my favorite things is, um, well, I think the author talks more about this, is that having close people in your life is really where you, where it's at. I think this isn't a call to for someone to go out and just randomly find somebody in your church and think, you know what, I see that they are very critical. I'm going to go tell them they're critical. Mm. This is really built on relationships. Mm-hmm. And so this is why if we're married, our husbands are a great help, or even our, our children can speak. I've had my kids say things to me before that I first was like, listen, you're not supposed to talk to me like that. But when I thought about it, I was like, okay, yeah, they're actually right. Hmm. I'm not saying it was fun. It was yeah. actually really hard. Yeah. And having some women in your life who you trust, I, I just think there's a, a important part of this that is relationally yeah. bound. It's connected to people and relationships where also we're doing what we talked about in the fir- in chapter nine, which is encouraging them. Hmm. Um, one of the verses that he references is Hebrews 3, 12 through 13. And I'm just going to read it for you because I think it is really helpful. And I, I, don't, I don't think I could even repeat it in any other way. <laughs> like mm. sometimes just reading it right out of the Bible's good. So it says, take care brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And we need to be so careful that we are not allowing our hearts to be hardened by sin because it is so, so easy. And just real quick, I think, you know, we help our brothers mm-hmm. and sisters in that by encouraging. Yes. Because it's when we're discouraged sometimes that we can become hardened by yeah. sin too. Yes. So our part to play. Yes. And um, I know that I am a girl who's a get it done girl. I-, I have a feeling you're a little bit like that, Erica. Like, you know, you just like, let me get in there and get this done in a fix it person, you know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes our exhortation isn't isn't going to fix it. 
you know, right away. Or sometimes when we speak with someone, it's going to be more important that they hear encouragement, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think that's good. I love your, I love the cream cheese moment in this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can totally see myself there. Mm -hmm. I probably would have like a blob, half the container of cream cheese (laughs) stretched all down my shirt. Um, But I also like where he talked about the accountability Mm -hmm. with other men. And I thought that was really where I was going a minute ago. He was sharing how he was overcoming that certain sin that he had noticed in his life and how God had given him some victory. And as he was telling his story, he was not seeing that the other people in his life were seeing. He was, he was, and they were trying to point out a different sin or, and he kind of became irritated with them and kind of crumbly or grunchy about it. Grunchy, that's my mom's word. That's a mixture of, of, um, I don't remember now, grunchy, grouchy, and crunchy. I think it's that. (laughs) So we use the word grunchy growing up. Okay. Anyway. I'm going to coin a new word, you know, important, yeah. But I like that he points out that these men were actually loving him. They were, even though he didn't like it, they loved him enough to tell him. And that was just a really good reminder to me that when my husband or my kids or a good friend is talking to me, that instead of being angry and hurt about what they're saying, I should be thankful and be contemplative of what God is revealing through my, my friend or my loved one. I need to listen and take stock of what is true and how I need to change. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's easy. No. No. No, I, I think that's where the point of humility comes in because yeah. your pride just totally wants to rail and be defensive. Yeah. Um, and that is so easy to do and you feel fully justified. But humility says, whoa, wait a minute. Let mm-hmm. me listen to what they're yep. saying. And is it true? Yeah. Because we are very much in a day and age where we just want the good vibes. We just yeah. want, just give me the good yep. stuff here. Yep. And we don't take very well to the stuff that is, is uh, you know, not so, not so good about us. So it's humility, though, that says, okay, I need to listen to that. I, I like the idea that you can say to someone who is telling you something that's difficult, you can say, you know, um, Okay, I heard you, mm-hmm. and I, I'm I'm gonna pray on that and think yeah, about it. That's good because I think it's hard at first to be like, "Well, yes, you are absolutely right. I am being really nasty today," and you know, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, like we don't want to be fake, right? Or you know, and that actually can cross over into be sarcastic, mm-hmm. which is actually a form of pride, also. That's true. <laughs> so very good. Yeah, for me, I think my personal application is um, just understanding or remembering that. Duh, my sin is obvious to others. <laughs> I think it's probably most obvious to the people I live with, or maybe they're just most willing to tell me about it. <laughs> um, so I do need to listen to when my husband re- rebukes me um, rather than to just dismiss him um, and be irritated. Um, I do need to see that my kids see me plainly for who I am. They're not looking at me with rose-colored glasses. Like, they know me at my best and my worst. So... Mm. Um, so I need to love them well and keep emptying myself of pride so that I can serve, you know, my family and yeah. in other ways with a clean and yielded heart. And mm. um, it's a, one, one little phrase um, he wrote was, humility postures itself to receive God's grace from any avenue possible. Mm. And so, you know, sometimes I think I, I mentioned earlier in the book chat this summer um my my son was telling me that I think about myself a lot and (laughs) I remember I'm like well that's from the mouth of babes you're like maybe I need to hear that rebuke um and I'm sure I did but Mahaney goes on to say so I encourage you to go to others and invite their gaze into your life tell them I want your caring eyes on my soul I need your help 
where do you see cream cheese? So yeah, was good. where do you see cream cheese? <laughs> I love that. You'll know if they read the book. Yeah. <laughs> That's an easy one. Yes. Otherwise, I'll be like in the second shelf down in the refrigerator, you know. <laughs> you know, um, we have a, um, I've been in, I think, Erica, you were in this Bible study too, maybe the same year. I don't remember, but there's a, we do a women's Bible study at Christ the Word. Um, and it happens occasionally and, you know, you're kind of invited into it. And part of it is to ask others, mm. this was a really hard one, how am I doing as a mother? What do you think of my parenting? Mm. Whoa. Yeah. That was not fun. Mm-mm. And I have to tell this story and I'm going to, I'm not going to tell who it is. And if she's listening, she'll know. Mm. But I had to do this and I was really fearful. So I asked two women, you were supposed to ask two women, how am I doing at being a mother? What are you noticing about my parenting? So my one friend, I met with her and she was very encouraging to me mm-hmm. and very truthful about a couple things that I needed to work on. But in general, it was a very encouraging conversation. This was you know, 10 years ago. And the things she told me that I needed to fix and change were true and I, it was different. I was like, okay, I can do this. The other woman, she said, oh, whoa, I got to think about this for a while. And I thought, oh my goodness, <laughs> no, really? Yikes. And then she said, I- I'm going to have to call you. We're going to have to meet. And I was like, good grief. Wow. (laughs) So a few days later, we got together and she said, well, I've made a list. And she pulled a notebook out. And I'm like, oh my, wow. Like, am I that bad? Like, wow. And then she began to tell me the ways in which she felt like she was failing at parenting. She misunderstood my question. And she thought I wanted her to tell me her problems. I said, no, 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 it's about me. And she said, oh, you're doing just fine. (laughs) Now, we did talk and she said, okay. And we later had conversations, but it was funny. And it was one of those moments like, you know, uh, I was, I would thought, oh, wow. My, my pride was really digging in right then. Like, why does this woman have a notebook about my stuff? You know? (laughs) So, but that is such a really good thing to do. Mm. It is not easy. No. Did you have to do this? I did. Yes. Did you like it? No. (laughs) Not at all. But, but was it good? It was impactful. I mm-hmm. will say that. And yep. I still have the letter from the one. And nice. Have revisited that from time mm. to time. It was it was very worth doing. That's Ugh. definitely a great way to see if the cream cheese is spread. Because yeah. the truth is, we all could be asking people about that. Yeah. I think a really good person to ask is our husband. You know, like, what do you think of how I'm being as a mother? Mm. Now, that's not easy. And then we can't retaliate and say, well, let me tell you what (laughs) I think about your husbandry. You know, like, it just doesn't work. But it's so good. It's so good. And if we want to grow and if we want to change our pride and fight it, this is a great tool to use. That's good. Ouch. Let's move on to chapter 11 because I'm done with chapter 10. Okay. (laughs) All right. What about, what do you think, Erica? Can you give me some definitions or concepts or kind of like the whole kit and caboodle right there? Okay. This chapter talks about... And how often can you use the word kit and caboodle? Can I just say that? Good one. (laughs) Um, This chapter talks about when you face the deep and the dark of life. Mm. So really suffering and... um, He writes, at some point in your life, you will know circumstances that seem to contradict the character and the promises of God. At some point, life will not make sense. Hmm. And so these are reasons that um, he mentions we should be developing a theology of suffering. And I earlier, I think it's chapter 10, he mentions having a theology of sin, which I found to be interesting because... We may not like theology. Some people like to brush that away as a Mm -hmm. bad thing. But 
when the hard times come, it's actually what you've built on mm-hmm. that theology, that foundation mm-hmm. that carries you and makes you unshaken yeah. because you are trusting in the promises and the bedrocks of God and his character. And isn't theology more like the another word would be doctrine, which would really be truth? Yes. The truth of right. sin, the truth of suffering. Suffering, right. What so, is true in it, yeah. Yeah. So I just <laughs> thought that is really, you know, to be equipped for that before it ever comes would be a huge blessing yeah. to our lives. And I think... Um, Basically, we need to equip ourselves and arm ourselves with the truth for when life won't make sense. And he kind of, you know, alludes to it. It will come to us all. There will be some hardship that will be very difficult and not to be afraid, but to be equipped Um, that this is what happens early on in the book of Habakkuk, which is mentioned in this chapter, that um, for him, nothing is adding up to show that God is who he has said he is based on circumstances that his people are going Mm. through. Um, you know, I love this whole chapter and I like this focus on Habakkuk. Okay, so Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 through 18 says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. I think that is so so encouraging to me. And um, just a reminder to take to to take joy in the right things. It's not about my circumstances, right? It doesn't matter what's going on around me, but it is in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that was just powerful. Yeah. And I, um, we recently did a Bible study on Habakkuk and um, I think it's a pretty human response. I mean, here he is a prophet of God and yet he's having this um, response of it's not disbelief, but just kind of discouragement. Yeah. And he actually questions God and he says, you know, what we know of you is not lining up with what we see in the world. And we mm. might say that today as Christians, yes. Yes. like, where, where are you, God? Um, but he wrestles with him and he asks hard questions and God does not smite him for it. Mm. Um, instead, he hears him and he answers um, I think partly because he asks in faith and not condemnation. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. not condemning yes. God, um, which some people do come very angry. And maybe, I don't know, God has room for, he is gracious with us. Yes, but, he is. Um, God responds first by saying, the righteous shall live by faith. So yeah, there's no food, there's no figs, there's no... Um, there's no harvest, but the righteous will live by faith. Still, mm. you'll trust me. Still, mm-hmm. you you need to look to me. And then God assures him that the wicked will not prevail. And in verse 214, he says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Like, be sure of it. Mm. I will avenge my mm-hmm. name. I will make myself known to everyone. And you know, nothing in his circumstances changed during this whole discourse that Habakkuk has with God. Everything is the same in his circumstances and, you know, the state that the nation is in. But right. but there's a big shift, like in chapter 3, where um, his whole heart and perspective changes and um, everything changes for yeah. him going right. forward. Yeah. So for me, like, this is a personal application point that I feel like I've been learning over the course of my relationship with God, that... My circumstances may actually never change one tiny bit from Hmm. day to day or even from year to year, but it's this belief that God is who he says he is, 
that he will remain true to his word, which allows us to have this constant hope-filled perspective. And it's God himself who renews this whenever we begin to waver. But, you know, he can handle us coming to him with our questions and he can give us a fresh perspective and clean heart. Mm, Yeah. All right, let's finish up with our last chapter in this entire book, chapter 12. All right. Um, So chapter 12 is called Legacy of Greatness, and it kind of focuses on the vast difference between the greatness in the Bible and the greatness in God's economy and then the greatness in our world, right? He challenges us to remember that greatness, true greatness, is much different than the world's definition. And he talks a little bit about how we teach our children and those under our care and we need to remember this so we can focus on what actually is great, mm-hmm. which is not a superstar singer mm. who goes on a tour all across the country or some famous basketball player, right? <laughs> right? Yep. What about definitions, true. Erica, that you found interesting or helpful? Well, just um, some of the concepts, like you said, leaving a legacy, detail, how we can pass along our faith to our kids and beyond. Um, and he just calls parenting is about preparation. I just thought that was simple, a simple, good definition. Um, and he says, for this life and for the next, as they stand before the judgment seat of God. So that's simple and heavy. Yes. <laughs> but um, I did love the practical steps in this chapter. He even offers some direct questions to ask your kids to help kind of um, reveal what they are thinking in their heart, what is grateful, uh, greatness, and hopefully help reveal to them as well so you can prepare them better. Yeah, and he also um, talked to parents and asked us to ask ourselves as parents some questions too. Mm. Like, what are your ambitions for your child? You know, almost all parents have ambitions for their child in some way. Um, And, you know, when we harbor these ambitions for our child, are they actually biblical? Do they line up with God's word? Um, I just think those were really good questions to ask ourselves. Um, I, I actually really enjoyed how he compared greatness in the world to biblical greatness It's so easy as parents to have great ambitions, like I said, for our children. We want them to go to famous universities and become doctors and lawyers and or maybe famous basketball stars or musicians, or maybe not even that fancy. We want them to make a lot of money. You know, we want them to go and get a good job. Um, And not necessarily that getting a good job is bad. It's just what is our ambition for how they go about it, right? In fact, God's greatness is so contrasted to the world's greatness, and we need to be aware of that. I know I need to be aware of it because if I don't, I can easily be excited about the world's greatness. Um, you know, I, I do like that he said it's okay that we, you know, cheer for our favorite baseball team or mm-hmm. enjoy good music, right? Um, but the real greatness comes through Christ and the real greatness comes in humility. Mm-hmm. And I like this little quote. I got a lot of quotes here, but if you're a parent, don't celebrate anything more than you celebrate godly character yeah. in them. Yes. Um, and I'm just kind of a reading through some Proverbs recently, but I was reminded of these verses. Um, and actually for myself throughout my life, this verse has really um, been a litmus test on where my pride was because Proverbs twenty-seven twenty-one says, the crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold mm. and a man is tested by his praise. And so the crucible smelts out impurities for silver and gold and man is tested in the crucible of praise. Mm. Um, that man, when he is praised, this can awaken pride 
and um, create, you know, growing pride, or it can smelt out impurities in our hearts. Like when we see the pride, then we can repent of it and realize, wow, mm. really nothing here. <laughs> this yeah. is of the Lord. Yes. Um, and then I just wanted to go on, to, uh, verse 24 through 27, for the riches, for riches do not last forever, and does a crown endure for all generations? And the answer is no. An earthly, an earthly crown hardly lasts for 10 years in this life, yep. you know. Another fast kid will come along and break that record or jump higher or sink more foul shots. Right. Um, I mean, it's temporary. And it's not to diminish the accomplishments that our kids um, achieve or even ourselves, but um, helping invest our lives in things that are eternal will serve and bless us and them longer than a high school sports career um, or traveling around on the weekends to games rather than being in the house of God. Right. And this is a hard decision a lot of parents face, but you will not ever regret honoring God in this way. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and this would be really, like I said earlier, about asking someone around you who you love to critique you. This would be a great question. Does it look like to you that I am putting my emphasis in my family on the stuff of earth and the things mm. that my kids are doing? expecting, you know, them to have greatness in the world or am I does it look like I'm attempting to have greatness in God with my kids? Mm. Uh that's a hard question, but you know, um and I, I love your your challenge to not do Sundays. Mm. I mean, that's hard. That's hard for most people. Yes. We've had to face that a little bit in our school, but our school still is a small school and it allows no, there's really not much on Sundays, but I know a lot of women and well, a lot of families, I should say who have had their kids had to bow out of things to honor God by being at church on Sundays and Sunday nights, Mm -hmm. if there's a Sunday night service or whatever, you know, making Sunday a Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And that's, that is definitely crazy in the world. (laughs) Well, and I think those Sundays add up and you might think, oh, it's one here and one there. I'm I'm speaking from experience. To be gone from church. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, oh my goodness, it is not being preserved by the world. The world does not want... Right. To take Sunday morning off so you can nope. be at church. They get very angry about that, actually. Yep. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, you have a choice to make, like, over the long haul. Will your, will our children know God, or will they excel at throwing a ball? Like, right. It's really what matters. And honestly, I have a little guy in my house who thinks basketball is pretty cool. Uh-huh. So he's out in the driveway all the time. And I'm always saying to him, always, you know, just remember— you're not going to be the next LeBron James friend. You know, it's not happening. And he smiles at me and he knows. And, you know, I, I think he's he's having fun with it. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about we're not going to give up Sundays. Mm-hmm. You know, we just won't do that. And that helps if you have little people to speak mm-hmm. that to them when they're younger. Okay. It's harder, I think, coming in and making that decision when they are a freshman in high school and they're playing basketball and you're going, oh, wait. We're not doing Sundays. Mm-hmm. So set it up early if you can. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but that's I've learned that from other women who have gone before me. So yeah, Erica, it has been so good to talk to yeah, you. Wow. You. It's, great. it's great to read through this book again. Yeah. I think we need to do this. You know, I think this is my fourth time, like I said. So I'll be doing my fifth time next <laughs> summer. So, um, but you know what? I, I've really, I think pride is probably my besetting sin. I'm just, I'm just telling you privately, right? You know, even though it's a podcast that goes out, I really struggle with it. And I'm so glad for books like this and for the Bible that are just true and real and really make me think. Mm. Because I could so easily fall into becoming, 
more prideful and I want to become less prideful if I can. So, hey, if you did not get a chance to read through the book all the way, I encourage you to go pick up the book, Humility by C.J. Mahaney, and read it. It is so helpful. Any final words, Erica? No, just thank you for doing this and offering it. And yeah, I anything that wounds my pride is good. <laughs> Anytime I get egg on my face is, you know, it's not what yeah. I want, but I can thank God for yeah the avenues of humility. <laughs> yep, yep, so. we can. That's good. And I think we need these reminders yeah. all the time, like maybe daily. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Erica, will you pray for us? Yes. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to um, not only read this book, but talk about it and, you know, examine our own hearts. And still we know our pride is always with us. And so I pray that we would be, um, Julie and myself, but anyone who's listening who's been challenged in this way too, like constantly attacking our pride and bruising and wounding um, this ego that wants to rise up in your place. I pray that we would be emptied and um, you tell us to die to ourselves every day and to pick up our cross and follow you. And I guess that is partly what this means. So I pray that you would use this to encourage your body and women who love you to be humble servants of Mm -hmm. the cross. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. It's time for this episode's Tiny Tidbits. A tiny tidbit is a small, tiny piece of information that can help you in a really big way. Today's Tiny Tidbit is brought to you by Tracy Christenberry. Tracy, I'm glad to have you on today. Thank you for having me. Okay, Tracy, I know that you are a very busy woman. Am I right? You are right. Okay, before we we started recording, we were discussing sports and volleyball and soccer and all that kind of stuff that happens and the busyness. So I'm really excited because I think there's a lot of women out there that are in the same boat. They work full time and they have kids who are participating in sports or maybe other clubs or activities or maybe they have jobs or whatever. And so it is going to be great to hear from you on a particular topic, a tiny tidbit about cleaning. Yes, I'm going to be telling you a little bit about my cleaning schedule. Um, For years, I was just overwhelmed with cleaning my home. I teach during the school year and I would end up spending my whole Saturday cleaning every area of my home, which left me with no time left for family or just relaxing or spending my weekend with um, the people that I love. So I felt like um, I needed to change something. So I decided to create a daily cleaning schedule by breaking my home into sections. Once that particular section was done, I was done cleaning for that day. So for example, on Mondays, I only focus on my upstairs bathrooms and wash my bathroom floor rugs, towels, and bedding. Okay. And that's all you do on Monday? Yes. I mean, besides teach and all the other things, but that for cleaning. Right. And then when that was done, even though I might see something else in my home that needed cleaned, I knew that I had a different I had a different yep. day for that. So Love I didn't it. have to feel like I had to stop and clean more. So when I see that other area of my house needing to be cleaned, I knew that there was a day for that and that schedule has freed up my time. So like then maybe Tuesday you have other things and Wednesday and Thursday. So by the time you get to Friday or Saturday you're done. Right. Yeah. Yep. How do you do a big job? Like organize something, like reorganize your basement. 
Um, that's usually scheduled in with family helping. So okay. usually my husband would help me with something overwhelming okay. like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, that would be something I do yearly. Yeah. So maybe just in the spring, it's time to clean the basement, yep. organize that space as well. Yep. I, I think the teamwork is a good idea too. And our kids need to be involved in that for Definitely. Sure. They make mo- some of the mess, so it's important to include yeah. them. And I love this because um, you know, you're working full-time during the school year. Yeah. I mean, I get the summer, but still... You're working full-time during the school year, and there's a lot of women who listen who work full-time. Or there's a lot of moms who have little kids, and you know, it's really hard to do a long chunk of time when you have little kids. Right. So this could work really well for any of them, because Mm -hmm. you could be like, Monday, we're going to do this, and Tuesday, we're going to do this. And um, I think that's a great, great way to split it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's just nice to know you're done. Yes. So that when you see something else dirty in your home, you can just ignore it. Because you're going to do that on a different day. And then we always remember that these homes that we live in are lived in, right? (laughs) Like, this is actually what you do inside your home. So it's going to get messy. So that's great, Tracy. Thank you for that tiny tidbit. You're welcome. Hey, just a reminder, don't forget to join us on social media through Facebook and Instagram. You can follow or like us at Women of the Word CTW, and you'll get great content every single day on that, um, those different social media outlets. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast directory. Um, it really helps us out. And of course, it helps you out because you get notifications of when each and every episode drops, which is each and every Thursday. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.